You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. To start our show, you want to talk about what? Steak bites at Maynard's. Oh, man. Trying to promote restaurants, you know. Yeah, up in Rogers. That's uh, one of our hot spots up there. Maynard's is on Lake Minnetonka. Uh, and in their north location, which is the best location, it's actually Rogers. I know. I haven't been there. I heard, it's, I heard it is good. This one's Excelsior, see? Maynard's I'm sure. I can see the big snotty boat in the background. Yeah, it's really sad. You go there and it's like, um, I mean, you get these beautiful decks and I mean, the water out there and they're all closed off and you can't sit on them. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Well, I think that's going to change, isn't it? Didn't you uh, talk to your pal and the gov and got him to uh, straighten his uh, ways? Yeah, sure. Get a few phone calls and got that fixed for all of us, right? If I had my way, those restaurants would be open right now. So, oh, totally. Yeah, I did go. Yeah, I wouldn't I did go. I, I this is, might be a big surprise to you, but I did go to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings for a to-go order, and the first time, actually, the first time I've done it this whole time, and uh, they had all the tables and everything set up for what they're figuring they have to do six feet apart and at 50% occupancy and uh, really very different. They have on the whole bar, this one was in Savage, the whole bar, there's six bar stools. Oh, no. That's what they have to do, I guess. So. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's definitely interesting. I think that this, you know, kind of wandering back into our industry, um, you know, looking at like, Oh, is this about real estate? Okay. Yeah. Well, pst. but you know what? All of this stuff affects real estate market and it could. Totally. It hasn't yet. Um, and I again, we've talked about it week after week, but low inventory, low interest rates have uh, kept the market really good. Yeah, no kidding. And there's um, plenty of, uh, there, there's been plenty of opportunities. Like we've created our own opportunities doing our virtual opens, curbside open, you know, or curbside appointments trying to keep, even though we're considered to be essential, there was still the consumer um, that didn't need essential services. The person that was entertaining themselves, driving around looking for a house, maybe for fun, wasn't out. So it's like, it's going to be interesting to see once this is lifted, to see more of the, the uh, hey, let's go check it out. You know, now we realize we do need two offices or the kids do need a loft to study in or whatever. And I think that's, you know, I think home buying needs are, are going to be directly changed. And actually in this uh, slideshow we're going to talk about, talks a little bit about that too, even though you have not had a chance to see what I have prepared. Yeah, I know, which is great. You're, you're the producer. But um, I'll tell you what, if you think about that, there is. I think there's going to be some industries. And uh, I hate to say it because uh, me and you are go like every morning and sometimes afternoon is to the, the club and yeah. work out. And but I think a lot of people obviously haven't had that and they're finding other ways in which to be able to do it. Hopefully they are. And, uh, and, and now you start wondering if it's like, Hey, you know what, what if we just put a home gym in our house instead, or yeah. we expanded or Hey, let's go buy that place. Or, Hey, if you're stuck in a quarantine, I mean, you really found out what the, the pluses and minuses are of, of your current living situation. Right. Well, or, you know, like the, I always say when we're building new houses for people and they're like, 
no, you know, I, I'll put the glass doors on my office and, and then all of a sudden, every single time the little kids get a chance, they're on the glass and boom, boom, boom. Hey dad, I need a sandwich or whatever. My, uh, my kids that are in their uh, well twenties and one's an 18 year old and they, they sit out in our four season porch and kind of do their homework. Right. Yeah. And, um, I'm not allowed, but I constantly go up to the glass and I'm like, like <laughs> trying to get, get their attention, of course, cause I like to distract and yeah. they sit in there and they're so disturbed with the fact that I'm bothering them. And they're like, all of a sudden they're the adult and I'm the kid. <laughs> I don't know. I that can't, I can't help it. I can't believe that. Yeah. All right. Let's get going on what produced. All right. Let me start producing something here for you. Um, all right. So when we come back to our, um, our slides here again, let me do this for us. We need our intro, Chris. We forgot the intro. Oh my gosh. I know, bro. Well, we did, well let's hold, hold on. Let's just, we did have the intro, but Facebook kicked us out. So we were actually on time today. All right. There we go. Sorry, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure this out. <laughs> to get to the slides, we need to definitely hire a producer. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to the real estate. Uh, Amplifies really enjoying this. They're like, yeah, uh, well, listen, listen. I was in the middle of my intro, bro. Welcome <laughs> to the real estate radio hour live on Facebook. Um, an attempt at bringing you entertaining uh, real estate topics. Uh, if you're a real estate agent, if you're a buyer or seller or owner of real estate, we encourage you to put your questions live on Facebook. Um, we will try to get to them as we go. But for today's topics, we actually have a, a real interesting topic, I think, that we're seeing is, is there a shift back to the burbs? Is that on the rise? Are people, you know, because for a long time here, the last couple of years, we've seen a shift towards urbanism where people are moving back towards the downtown core cities. And, and I just, I pulled up some facts here just to kind of take a look at. Um, the, the draw was always everything's close, right? It's cool. You live there. You can walk to the cafe. You can walk to the whatever short commutes. Um, and, 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 but the trade-off was always, obviously, like you can read here, most of you at home here, <laughs> that are, you know, cities lack access to open spaces and yards and desirable features. Um, these kind of things that are what you miss um, when you're spending a lot of time at home, like we just all did or are still doing, right? So social distancing is something we've experienced. And it's, it's um, I think it's going to, some people that realize that in concentrated areas, you look at the big cities, the New Yorks, the um, Chicago's where these higher concentrations of the, the virus was just by being closer, right? So I think some people are going to have that itch scratched and they're going to go back to suburban or even rural living um, have a couple acres, have their own garden, um, feel a little safer. Maybe, you know, I know our buddies up in Cross Lake, Chris, um, they, I was talking with those guys last week and they were saying they're getting a lot of people that just want to get away from everybody else. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of people are, uh, have a lot of time to think and are coming up with uh, different things in their life. And I think one of the pieces on here that we're not talking about is that, uh, the city properties have appreciated tremendously. And uh, being able to maybe grab um, the equity from that and convert it into something in the country or the suburbs um, and amazing what you get. I mean, if you sell a 
you know, a two bedroom, two bath condo uh, in Minneapolis and go out to um, Jordan and switch it, you're going to get a 4,000 square foot home. Right. You know? Seriously. So, so yeah. that's, I think that's part of it. And uh, I saw something on this too. Um, yep. And it was, a, it was a tweet from somebody about New York. They said, they said, Hey, we came here for the, you know, uh, for the excitement of all the people and the entertainment and the arts. And, and now I just sit in a 300 square foot apartment and pay about 4,000 a month for it. Yeah. And, uh, and it's true. I mean, it is, so. it is ridiculously expensive. We've had a couple of our friends that are consultants that uh, actually work seasonally out in, in New York for audits and whatever. And um, they, they've said the same thing. They go, what you get for five grand a month is ridiculous. But this was the Harris poll. 39% of the people responded who live in urban areas have considered moving to less populated areas. That doesn't really surprise us. Because I think you get a lot of that urban cabin. You and I used to talk about that where people that live out in the country, they want to get in on the action, you know, have a condo and walk to the theater and, and dinner. And, and it's kind of like a weekend getaway type thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, it's, and it's a, it's a great thing. And there's a, I would, I would love to know uh, what the percentage of um, second homes is down downtown in the condo market. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting, you know, for sure. And here's a couple more highlights um, just to kind of hit with quick. Um, with reopening of the economy scheduled to be cautious, the impact on consumer preferences will likely uh, shift their buying behavior. So real estate agents that are out there, I mean, we are going to be showcasing this could be a second home office or this could be the, the I'm telling you, the hottest thing I can do right now is as, as guiding new people with building, get those sport courts on those houses. Um, you know, it, you're 40 to 60,000, depending on how you're big. I mean, they can spend more than that, but you know, most builders can get them done in that price range and you have a place for the kids to play and it's safe. It's yeah, indoors, you, you know, and then your kids that are specialized too. look at your kids, your kids are stud athletes and you, you want to have a place to hit a baseball. You want to have a place to throw uh, football or volleyball or whatever. I mean, that, that additional space in the house, I think would dovetail into the club level sports too. In, in your design, um, when you're doing those sport carts, are you guys, factoring in maybe what those are, are later on and what kind of spaces you can make those sport courts into and utilize you know, differently than. It's, it's fun when people build them from scratch because I've had where we've designed for, for one of our clients, they, they were, uh, they did con uh, consulting with one-on-one um, -on -one training, if you will, for soccer. So we put artificial turf and a full size soccer net um, regulation size soccer net on the end so they could work on shooting and, and everything else. So it was kind of cool. I had another client of mine uh, put an extra 10 feet. So they were out like at 36 feet um, and they were by 22 feet wide and they built a mini indoor hockey rink with actual skatable ice, um, which was really cool. And then they had everything from the lights in the ceiling that would, the lights shut off and the, the, the uh, you know, like go, unbelievable. So people with imaginations and budgets um, we've had a lot of fun over the years building and, you know, like even for myself, uh, when we build a model, we put up, we usually put up a basketball hoop on the one end and then we'll put up a, uh, a padded wall behind it. So just like at the high school, somebody goes up, lays, does a layup, they hit the wall, whatever. Then we do the back of the garage wall. We'll do with concrete. We'll put up a hockey net. So the kids shooting pucks don't have to worry about it. Cause they're, they're hitting concrete instead of the high impact sheetrock. So it's kind of interesting. 
Yeah, I would I would think too some maybe some design uh, parts of that are hey the kids are gone now what do I use it for and where you yeah. could maybe turn the bottom part into you know get some trusses in there maybe do a big home office or a craft room from the upstairs and then downstairs uh, turn it into storage. I don't know. Right, so a movie theater or a garage or a I mean with that kind of height you could have a, a golf simulator in there easy um, or or like you said. Who, who's to say? I see more athletic seniors than I've ever seen in my life. I mean, they're not stopping going to the gym. You know, they're yeah. still doing it. So, you know, maybe it'll be a way to encourage you to stay active in your in your senior years. I don't know. Maybe I need a sport court. That, that's what we need. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, these are, again, kind of just reiterating um, zoning and urban. This is interesting, too. You and I have had many discussions over the years on urban planning, right, and, and how they – are designing cities and how they're designing um, the zoning. And I think that there's going to be some new discussions happening for sure when it comes to that, because um, like you and I have always, in Ro- you remember Rooney land a couple was a year ago. We did that on CCO. I'm, I'm just saying that's becoming more of a reality every day. It is. And that was where know. Chris lives in the big part of the mansion and somebody lives in his guest house. Yep. <laughs> You know, or your kids or your parents, or you have an opportunity to be able to rent out some of that space. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, but have it zoned that way rather than there's people that do that, but it's not really zoned that way um, for them. And uh, I we, just think we that- just had a comment here from our friend Andrew. He says, uh, Hannah uh, needs to be your producer, gentlemen. <laughs> I, I can't agree. Is she out of bed yet? <laughs> no, she's. She sleeps till okay. about 8.39, something like that, yeah. Okay. All, right. All right, next question here. Unemployment, boom, boom, boom. Uh, should I be terrified, Chris Rooney? I um, I think he, eventually you've got to be terrified. I think uh, everything yeah. – I, I still believe people, um, for the most part, feel that it's a temporary uh, setback and that it's going to come back. Um, well, this is what I said to – the stock market right. gets hit, consumer confidence goes down. Right. Well, think about this, Chris. If before all this started, were you worried about losing your job? No. And if you were not, then I think you might be safe. But if you were like, man, I don't know what's going on with our company anyway, and then this hit, this might be the way that that company cleans house and doesn't replace you or doesn't bring some people back. But what I what I wanted to, the point of this was um, on the news, I hear them say it all the time. It's almost to the point of the Great Depression. And I wanted to point out real quickly, um, because they're, they're terrifying us into watching more of the news, which I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not trying to be political. I'm just saying that I, I hate it when they compare things to the Great Depression. So I spent a little time here to show the actual facts. So 1929 to 1933, the economy shrank for 43 consecutive months. We're going on month number two, guys. Okay. So according to the uh, estimates, unemployment climbed to nearly 25% before slowly beginning to descend. Uh, this remained uh, remaining above 10% for an entire decade. That's 10 years of unemployment for that high. Um, and this time, economists are believing that the rebound could begin as early as the second to third quarter of this year um, or into the beginning part of next year where jobs will just come back. So um, why is it different this time? There's not a structural collapse of the economy. Um, it's a planned shutdown because of a, a mitigation of a virus, right? So it's it's just different, man. We were put into cages. It's not like we wanted to. They forced us all in there. That's why 
I think people are so aggressively jumping out the other side right now and kind of excited about what's happening. But um, this is this is kind of showing you some charts, right? Unemployment, um, you, you look here like 1932 through the current, we're at about 14% this month. This is from Goldman Sachs, by the way, this is their numbers. Um, and this was a great depression. And then you look here as they jump through the different eras, kind of jumping forward a couple of years, and you look at how aggressive that unemployment really was. And this is in blue is what they're projecting. Goldman Sachs, you know, is projecting um, what they see with unemployment. So by about 2023, we're going to be back down to 4% again, which is a tight market. Um, well, heck, even 5% is a tight market, you know, trying to find good people. Right, Chris? Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I think that... Uh... I, I'm just actually studying this because that's the first time I've seen this chart as well. And yeah. uh, it is it is interesting. And I and again, I think that kind of goes with my feeling that people just don't think it's uh it's it's a blip, it's not a you know a long term. Well, it, as it's happening, just like any storm, it's scary. I mean, things are flying and there's all kinds of new things happening, and there's um, you know, and, and who knows, maybe you have a second wave of this sickness or a third wave, and we we deal with it for the next couple of years. I think the newness is gone and there's going to be a comfort level in, you know, as we, you get smarter with what's happening and how to fix it or how to help control it. Um, yeah. Or we decide maybe you can't control it and we're, you know, then, then these charts will be different. But for yeah. right now, this is what we're projecting. All right. Um, Chris, are homes appreciating or depreciating in 2020? Uh, a, Appreciating? Yes, I'm going with appreciating. Because that's okay. just a, so let a me fact. give you some more ammo, Chris, to make your decision. Okay. So this Ivy Zellman, um, here's her thoughts. She's an investment banker, does a lot of the big um corporate buyout, you know, investment strategies. Um, we note that the inventory as a percentage of households sits at the lowest level ever, something we believe will limit the overall degree of home price pressure throughout the year. Yet housing supply will remain as historical lows. So house price growth is likely to slow, but it's not likely to go negative. That was from the um, Mark Fleming over at the First American. Um, and then lastly, Freddie Mac put out two forces prevent a collapse in housing prices. First, we indicated in the earlier uh, research report, U.S. housing markets face a large supply deficit. Second, population growth and pent-up household formations um, provide a tailwind to housing demand, which is interesting because last week you talked about pent up um, household formations, which is, you know, young people not getting married yet or deferring their, their marriage or whatever and having college debt. But that that same demographic right now is the shining star. They're, they're buying uh, properties more aggressively than we ever thought they would have, which is exciting. Yeah, I know I've, we've seen some uh developers and stuff kind of hold back a little on buying stuff. But uh, I think that's just kind of waiting out to make sure and uh, not closing on some contracts. But uh, yeah, I just... Uh, yeah, but those, those developers, you know, like I was going to say, Chris, those developers have had not just one hand on the stove and got burned. They've had both hands on the stove before. And so developers, they, they have, you know, they're moving on a two or three year cycle. They're, they're not necessarily moving on a what's, let's put our house up for sale and sell it in 30 days. A developer takes almost a year, year and a half, two years sometimes to take an idea of a development, to get it to approval, 
then to get it actually, you got to time it throughout the year to get it improved. And then when you finally get to market, now the builder takes six months to a year to build a house. Some of these developments have been in the in the making for five years, Chris. So it's not like it's, um, when that model opens, it's not like this was last year's idea, right? Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think that's why they kind of slow down because they're looking a couple of years ahead of time, you know, and just yeah. saying, hey, just let's, let's watch out just to make sure it's not what we ran into last time, probably trying to get more favorable terms, doing, um, you know, option money rather than yep. uh, closing on it right away. What do you think about, so it's showing here, these are from National Association of Realtors. I whipped out a couple of charts here showing Minnesota is a very strong buyer traffic market. This is, um, this was a survey done by NAR of real estate agents and saying, hey, are you seeing people? Are your websites getting hits? Are there whatever? And so this is where they're saying in Minnesota, we were seeing very strong buyer traffic. So there's still people ready to buy if you're willing to sell. Seller traffic here, it's showing that we're actually weak. We're, we're not, not, not enough houses are coming to market right now compared to the amount of buyer traffic we have. So basically agents are saying they want more inventory. What, what do you think about that, Chris? Well, I mean, on this, there's four states that actually have it. Everyone else has got weak. And I mean, and that I think that's, it's important, <laughs> you know, and I, and in a way I'm kind of happy that there is low inventory right now, because if everyone was throwing their house on, I think that it could get, it could get ugly. So yeah. I think at this time until they get something figured out or, you know, people start relaxing on this kind of stuff that um, we don't need inventory really until that starts happening. But in saying that, there's a really nice advantage for people in which to do it. But I think the reason people aren't doing it is, you know, so people don't want people in their house, yeah. you know, and, and they just don't know. And, they, and then the next step is that I've got to go somewhere too. And so then they worry about that. So just kind of like, hey, let's wait and see. Sure. You know, and this, for those of you that are watching this too, and you're like, hey, looking for that investment property or maybe that retirement home down in Florida or Texas, it, it's showing here that they're very stable with buyer traffic, which means people are not traveling, right? So, you know, we're not flying down to Florida to check out a place to buy for next year. Um, so, and, and, but they don't have a lot of people also listing their houses. So in some of those areas, but Louisiana area, if you look here, that's the, that, that might be a little bit of a stagnant market there. So uh, we have uh, Mardi Gras there, though. <laughs> right. Sounds kind of fun to me. Or if you want to buy a house in Alaska, it looks like there's a lot of houses for sale in Alaska right now. Yep. All right. So kind of moving along here. Um, last week's question. So Chris and I compile people, text us, people email us. Here was a couple. Uh, here's question number one. Is now the time to list your home? And the only reason why I'm reading these is because these will be future podcast too, guys. So I, I recognize we can all probably read the question as it's going, but just want to make sure those that are listening can hear what we're, what we're talking about too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now is uh, for, for the most part, now is the time to list your home. Um, I, I can't agree more. And I mean, it just makes sense. It's, it's logical that uh, if there's not a lot of houses on the market and the interest rates are really good and there's a lot of buyers out there, it's, it kind of makes some sense to be able to uh, uh, attack uh, if you're in the position to attack. Okay, I agree. Um, when selling, what do sellers typically invest in getting their home on the market? So a dollar amount, wow, that's uh, 
That's a good one. Um, I would, I mean, so we're talking about, hey, you got to kind of do some fixes. And I mean, obviously there, there's times that, hey, I need new siding and a roof's got to happen and I got to put windows in. But for the most part, you know, let's just say that the maintenance items are taken care of and uh, to improve and to get your house on the market. What, what would you say an average, maybe five to 10,000? Yeah. You know, to be able to do it the right way and, right. and get it on. Uh, a lot of that has to do with uh, decluttering and cleaning um, right. to do it right. And that's why I always say that, hey, if you've got, uh, I mean, I would hire someone first, but it's very important. I mean, even if you got to take a week off of work to be able to do that right, because you'll probably get uh, at, at probably more than what you would make that week for sure. Yeah. At least. Right. Right. Well, that I agree with you. I think that there's, you know, the other topic that comes up when you say the word invest, I always think of things like windows or roof or siding, like you were talking about. And, yeah. you know, the unfortunate part is guys that when you're selling a house and let's say you've let your, your, uh, your siding go beyond repair and it needs to be replaced. You're not necessarily going to get a lot more for that house because you put siding on that you should have been maintaining anyway. You're, you're going to get a, uh, a probably a more favorable response from the marketplace because it is new. But, you know, it's not like there's a, hey, I have, it's kind of like tires. Again, I've used this analogy a million times. It's like having tires on a car. If your tires are in good shape, you can, you can sell that car and nobody's going to penalize you for it. If you have bald tires, they're going to penalize you for it. So you're almost better off putting new tires on it. But then a car with new tires just makes it more desirable. Doesn't necessarily make it worth more money. The king of analogies, but you're right on uh, with that stuff. And it's it's so important because you, you got to remember too, and I think a lot of people kind of forget this, is that um, you're you're on display. They're not just, they're comparing yours to other homes. And and if you don't do it right, all you're doing is helping the other ones get their soul. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, I mean, that, that totally defeats the purpose. And so, yeah, get that sure. on ahead of time. Cool. All right. Um, how do you win in multiple offers? Well, this is something that's happening a lot now, Andy, um, and how how you compete in that. And especially, I mean, what would you say under the three, $350,000 market for sure that you're getting um, multiple oh, offers? Sometimes yep. into the fours now. Um, sometimes if it's on, on a lake or a lifestyle type property, you get the same thing regardless of the price. But uh, how you win in multiple offers is you take your – your hat off and then put it on the other side and think what they want. And that's what I don't think people do is they don't, they don't look at the seller and say, okay, hey, well, the seller, first of all, the agents don't go ask. I mean, we get offers all the time that never even talk to the agent. They just email it over. You right. Know, okay. If you would have talked to me, maybe you would have known that, you know what, we want to close the end of July, not uh, the start of May kind of thing. And, so when people get the offer and a seller gets the offer, it says, hey, you know, I turn around and call them and try to get that information. But if you don't, the sellers think, well, end of July will never work. They don't listen to the rest of the story. Yeah. You know? so yeah. Try to, you know, eliminate objections. The more objections you can eliminate for the seller. And so that sometimes doesn't mean price and sometimes doesn't mean financing because they might think of all these things and say, well, they'll still get the money. You know, some people go cash. I mean, cash is, I mean, eliminates what? Appraisal worries, you know, that we're not going to have a problem. But 
where is that cash is the other thing and how much is it? Is it sitting in the stock market? Will it be in the stock market? And if the stock market crashes, are they going to have enough money to be able to finance it? Yeah, there. I think I think we used to. I used to count out. There's about 11 <laughs> factors that goes into an offer, um, and and you know, like for me as a listing agent too. I mean, I help buyers, but mostly I do listing stuff. But the um, as a listing agent, I cringe when you tell me you're paying cash, because usually that means we're going to lowball you. We're going to demand a bunch of stuff. We want ridiculously close closing dates. I mean, it. You know what I mean? So to me, cash has has become a um, a negative term. If you would tell me that. We have the ability to pay for this house and we're going to not bring you a bunch of headaches. That's ultimately what you're trying to say in a competitive market, but agents don't do that. And so what ends up happening is they're like, the, well, we're bringing you a cash offer and this is what we demand. It's like, it's, it's the hardest thing in the world for a listing agent to sell other than, you know, the fact, and then the other thing, like you said, Chris, I can't tell you how many uh, cash offers I've gotten that show me lines of credit or they show me, um, you know, like available, uh, whatever, um, from a bank, um, you know, it, 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 cash is cash, man. Cash means you've got the money sitting in your savings account or in a money market account or, and it's, and it's, there's no strings tied to it. There's no way it can go down in value, like you said, and it's the real deal. But it's, um, for me, multiple offers, I think you nailed it, Chris, with talking to the listing agent and asking them, what are the hot buttons for your seller? What's important? Is it the closing date? Is it that they take it as is? Is it that they, you know, come in with no inspection? I mean, we're seeing that a lot nowadays. Um, so, you know, and all that means is you bring your contractor um, with you on the last showing. So, you know? Andy, so from a seller perspective, what do you think is the biggest concern for them right now? I mean, um, for sure, where they're going. For, for those of my clients that don't or won't ha- uh, have the ability to say, hey, I'm going to buy something before I sell. Um, some, some can, and some choose not to, but it, it, it's really tricky, man. Cause I'll tell you, we find the buyers to sell your property, I think is, is with, you know, a good, like you said, get the house ready, put it up for sale, position it correctly. They sell it's, yeah. it's the buy side. So I've been suggesting to most my sellers that we get out there, um, and look at what is out there for them to buy, see if they get excited first, because if they can see one, two, three, four properties that are attractive to them and something that they would write an offer on, I'd say, all right, let's get your house up for sale then. You know, but if they can't find anything, then I'm like, well, maybe we should really take a hard look at what we're going to do here. Yeah. And I think you have to open your mind up to maybe uh, possibly renting too, because I'll tell you what, a lot of, I I think um, that's, that's a real good point actually on what you said and what makes them nervous because there's not much inventory. But the other part is, is that they're worried about if it's going to close if the house is going to close, you know, because, uh, you know, okay, those guys could lose their job at any time and it's not going to close. And I, and I see it more now than I had before, but it's the other part is that if your house is subject to the closing of your house, it's already sold and done. You're not contingent, but it's subject to the closing of that house. Now the seller not only has to worry about you, they worry about the other buyer that's buying the other place. And then is there another buyer buying their place? And when you get those dominoes in place, I mean, that's nerve wracking. So winning in multiple offers is sometimes agents don't understand that or don't get it or haven't been involved in it or don't right. sell enough houses to see it. Yep. That you have to let them understand that so they can portray that to their seller, you know, if you're trying to you buy. Just, and that's what helps your multiple offer. Exactly. You know, and that's, we've, I just, I've dealt with this more than once this spring where it's been the, 
yep, we have a, uh, a contingent buyer. And I'm like, okay, well, what are they contingent upon? Well, the buyer that's buying their house is, uh, they have to get their house sold, but it's already sold. And you're like, okay, but so then what they don't realize is that, you know, the good listing agents are going to keep digging. I mean, I'm going back sometimes two, three deals on the dominoes just to make sure, okay, deal number four is solid. Deal number three that's buying our buyer's house is sketchy, you know? And, and so then I may ask for a copy of the purchase agreement or approval letter or talk to the lender or whatever the, and people are like, that's none of your business. I'm like, cool, then th- don't bring us an offer. Because um, if you're not going to share with us your contingency, which means I may or may not be able to perform, if I can't explain that in less than a minute to my client, usually it's too complex and we're going to pass. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, just, again, putting yourself in their, uh, in their shoes and uh, trying to uh, get them to a point of, uh, you know, and this is all different. To me, if it's on the market 62 days versus on the market two days. You know, 62 days, you kind of got to put up with that crap, you know, because it's, and it's, it's normal. It's not crap. I mean, the likelihood that it's going to happen and we haven't had one closing fall through, you know, um, during this whole process, but it's always interesting. It's always constantly, you know, oh my God, it's at the end when the whole refinance thing was going. I mean, they couldn't get mortgages done quick enough. I mean, so we delayed a couple closings, but uh, all of them got done. All right. Are there flipping you, opportunities uh, anymore? Um, there is, but it's on the higher end stuff. It's really hard to get that 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 the low stuff anymore uh, to be able to get a good enough deal to be able to make it work for you. How about you? Well, you know, and I see I see you know these uh, flippers as being like hungry bears, and they're what's happening is they're 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 by the time they come to the normal market, let's say we're downstream, right? And these hungry bears, these these investors. You're seeing them wear company cloaks, you know, the, the guaranteed offers, the uh, we buy ugly houses, the, um, I mean, you name it, there's a whole bunch of them that are out there and they're getting smarter. And what they're doing is they're going upstream. So they're trying to attract you before you talk to a real estate agent, in my opinion, uh, before you realize what your house is really worth. They're trying to tell you, yeah, this is what it's kind of worth r- roughly. And then take off our expenses and then a fair profit. And then our, and we're down here. And I, and I, perfect example, I just had one that we uh, were listing actually today up in a uh, northeastern side of the Twin Cities. And we're listing that house at 259000 And I, I'm guessing we're going to get in multiple offers. It's on acreage, okay? And the most of the, quote, flippers that were coming in were offering in the 180s to 190s, minus their fees, which were usually 5 to 12%. So these people were getting like 150000 They were almost hundred grand under. On, on that circumstance. Um, and when you do it on paper and you lay things out, I'm telling you, if you're, if you're a consumer listening right now, spend the extra hour to meet with a real estate agent that knows what the retail value is so you can make a sound investment or a sound decision knowing that you're not giving away all that equity. You worked too hard. You paid the payments for 30 years or 20 years or whatever you paid them for. Why give all that money away when you don't have to? Today's market, you don't have to. That's why I think flipping is a very tough um, business to be in right now. You're seeing a lot of people get out of it. People, people don't understand. They don't have the information to make a decision. So you're right on, right on the nose. And if you find a, a realtor that's ethical and uh, is doing the right thing, and not just filling you full of it, because they fill you full of it and say, "Oh my gosh, you could get, you know, at least two hundred thirty thousand out of this." No question. When it's one eighty, when they really think it's one eighty, 
I mean, you could you could cause a real downfall at that point because the longer it sits and they think there's something more wrong with it, and then they're going to come in and pay you 160 on it. So um, get someone. Well, in. there's something to be said for you know the the uh, the senior that goes to a um, an adult living situation apartment, you know, senior center, whatever, and they just don't have the energy, time, money, resources to clean the house, and so they take a hit. And some of those people don't care because they know that that house is going to be all the equity is going to be gobbled up with the uh, the nursing home with the you know ten grand a month or whatever it costs them to live there. So in most cases, people just don't care and they they do sell at a at a cheaper price. So that's how those companies do stay. A lot of them do stay alive. And I'm not saying it's unethical because they're providing a service. It's just something that I would say if you're helping mom or dad out, spend the extra hour and and you might put another thirty forty thousand in your in your parents' pocket. Yep. Good point. Um, all right. Do you carpet or do you allowance it? <laughs> That's a good one. Okay. That I would say um, 99.2% of the time. That's a, that's a good stat right there. 99.2. Put the carpet in. People can't visualize. Don't give allowances. Don't. I mean, I always hear, well, you don't know what kind of carpet they want. Well, they don't either. And they can't look past the carpet that's in there currently. And uh, they don't know how much carpet's even worth or, you know, there's too many thought processes there. Let them see it. Give them carpet and it'll turn out much better for you. Yeah. I uh, I got an old trick I, I, I've done. I, I don't know. I should tell everybody this one. But what I'll do is I, I go to the carpet store and uh, I'll pick out, I'll ask the, the carpet um, person saying, hey, what are your three best sellers for colors in, in the price, in my budget? And I get a bid on it. So it's, you know, thousand, 1500, whatever the amount is, 5,000, whatever it is. And I lay out um, the three hottest colors and I pin a note down to the one color saying, this is being installed next Wednesday. There's always a next Wednesday, right? Um, and so the showings come through and they see the carpet samples. So they, it acknowledges that we have an issue. It also makes them feel like, hey, well, if we're going to buy this house, we don't like that color. We like the color that's below it or next to it. And also they get invested into it a little bit too. And you know the whole time that you've already had the carpet installer come out and give you the estimate. So now you're a smart negotiator because you can say, you know what, we were going to do it anyway. Um, or we'll give you uh, the 2200 bucks it was going to cost us to do it. Here's a copy of the actual receipt. There you go. And um, you guys can handle it after closing. Would you say that in light of replacement with new carpet, or is this an alternative to someone who just doesn't want to replace it and they want to well, give? It I think off? that there's, you know, it depends on the price range, you know. But the an entry level or somebody that I would consider to be a, um, hey, I can't believe we got our first house. They may not be as particular with the carpet grade um, right. as somebody like myself, where I'm a carpet snob and I want to have something with a nice nap that feels like you're walking on blankets. You know, when you're walking, I mean, I just, I like nice carpet or I'll go to hardwood. So the, um, so for me, like I, I wouldn't, I'd probably upgrade the carpet as a buyer myself. And so I like the option of having, you know, instead of having somebody put in all brand new carpet at, you know, $9 a, a yard or whatever, or a foot or whatever. And then, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I laugh when you say carpet stop. Because uh, I went into this one house that had the maybe the best pad I've ever experienced in my life. And it was almost like a pad, like, you know, how they have those things in front of your sink or in front of your range? You know, those, whatever those are? You know what those are. 
Yeah. Come on, Andy. Help me. I, I, you, I'm sorry. I didn't catch it. You know those things that sit in front of like your range or like your sink and they, they like help your back because they're so soft. And well, I thought like, you were just going to say like a rug. They're foamy. Yeah, they're kind of foamy. But anyway, yeah, I got you. This carpet, this carpet had a pad like that. I'm like, oh my God, I would love this. But and, and your thought process automatically is, is that's got to be super expensive. And maybe, you know, for the extra pad, it costs a thousand bucks. But in my mind, it made that house worth so much more. Yep. So. Exactly. Exactly. I agree 100%. So that is it for us, Chris. Um, awesome. We only had one, uh, we had one live question here um, from our good friend, Mike. He says, can you, can you guys look into your crystal ball and tell us the market will be like this fall? I think um, it depends how long this stuff goes. <laughs> That's my opinion. Um, yeah. I don't know. It could be, it, I think it could be our market starting up again, like it would be in the spring, or it can be uh, stuff starts going way down. So I think the few things got to happen. So. Yeah, I think so too. I think, you know, obviously rates are, are looking like they're going to stay attractive, which means um, for a lot of people, um, it, it would, it makes sense, but consumer confidence, Chris, you and I have talked about this forever. Um, if people feel good, they buy stuff. If they don't feel good, they, they hoard their money. Um, you know, and, and, and in, even in good economies, when some people, you know, feel good, they spend money they don't even have, which is another whole dilemma with credit and whatever else, but, um, smart assets like housing, you need, you live in that investment. Um, so I think it's always a great investment to own um, a home. You get the tax write-offs, you get the, the pride of ownership. And then, you know, like most people, it's it's ridiculous to me how many people um, in the U.S., that's their significant portion of their net worth is in their home. And when they retire, they don't have more than $100,000 in the bank and their house is worth two fifty dollars on average. And it's, it's you know what, it, it gives you something. I mean, it's it's a way to save money if you can't or you know, if you've worked a life where you don't make as much money um, yeah. in your career, and this is a great way to, to, to grow and save. And I think that's the cool thing too. I've been, I've, I'm really into, uh, you know, beach living and beachfront bargain and living in Hawaii, all that HGTV and stuff. I yeah. love watching that, but I'm always so amazed at the pricing, you know, where, where you go and what you can get for the money. And, you know, you sell something here and you get that 250 and you got a hundred thousand more, you know, you can get a cool little condo sometimes on the water for a hundred grand and live the, a grand life, you know, um, um, somewhere else. So I think, uh, you know, yeah, having that home ownership is always something you gotta, you gotta pay for something. Uh, you gotta live somewhere. And, uh, at the end you got all that money and now with tax, with our tax laws and stuff, you know, as a married couple, you've got up to $500,000 that it's tax free. So that's not like, you know, another investment where you got to pay 30 to 40 to 50% of it and, and give it back, you know? Right. So I think yeah. it's, uh, yeah. Home ownership. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that I agree with you. And I think that there's, you know, when it, when it comes down to looking at um, any, any economy or any, you know, housing market um, again, it, it, there's, there's, I've never seen a market right now where the payments have been so affordable People are questioning, you know, is there going to be a, a you know, a, a big crash in, in values? I don't know how. I mean, I don't, I don't see the foreclosure quantities there. They have not been giving away mortgages the last ten years. 
Um, they don't, they make you overqualify for a mortgage when you get one. So the people that have the mortgages that are out there right now being held are very secure and stable. They have a lot of equity. They have very affordable payments. It's cheaper than rent by far. So if you give up your house, you're going to double your cost per month by going to a rental almost in some cases, you know, so it's, I don't see how a shift like that would make sense. If anything else, I could see where the market would dry up and there would be less for sale, even less than there is now, which would, you know, make it really hard uh, unless you're building new and then new um, might be the only way to get something together. If that doesn't happen, we're going to have all those little Andy Prasky signs all over because there's not going to be on houses. They're going to be you, all over that place. Did you notice that? Did you, <laughs> did you notice this? Yeah, I don't know. It's just, I, I see it right there. Did you notice the call Andy Prasky at 763? <laughs> I get, you know, I get a hard time for that sign being up, but I'll tell you what, um, people that are watching it, it, hey, they don't know who we are. I got to put something up with me. What the heck? You, yeah. This is a good time right at the end of the show. <laughs> Triple A, if you need a card. Oh, my God. Well, All at least, right. we, know, we're, at least we know you're safe, bud. See you, bud. Okay, guys. All right, everybody. That's Real Estate Radio, show number seven. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.